Thank you so much, uh, Miranda. Uh, my name's Alex. Uh, I'm the campus minister here at Carlton. It's lovely to see you. Um, if you could just keep that passage open, uh, that would be really helpful. Uh, there's also an outline if you want to take some notes uh, as well. Uh, it's great to see so many uh, new faces here. Uh, for those who have been here a little while, uh, you know, more than a couple of months, uh, you'll know uh, that we're actually going through a, sort of a, strate a strategic pl uh, process, a planning process here. Uh, some of you might have filled out a survey that you got uh, so you could input in on that process. And really what it is, is to, to work out under God uh, where we might go over the next five years as a church, what we might do, what we think God is calling us to. And so as kind of part of that process, uh, we're beginning a three-week series on church, as James mentioned. Because as we undertake this process, I think it's important that we do two things. Firstly, that we pray, that we uh, ask God for his guidance, ask him to empower what we're doing uh, for him. And second, I think is really important, is that we remind ourselves of what God's vision is for church. And so today, we're going to reflect uh, on the place of church in God's plan for the world, the nature of what church is, and then explore, just really begin to explore some of the implications which flow from that. Uh, next week, uh, our senior assistant minister, Nat, is going to kind of reflect on how church really is shaped by God's love. And in the final week of our series, John, our vicar, will speak about how that love that God has shown us overflows uh, through us into our community and sends us out into our community to uh, reach uh, the, the gospel, uh, to reach the city, uh, the community, the world uh, for the with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we kind of start this series today, let me pray for us. Uh, loving Heavenly Father, we pray uh, that we might dwell uh, on your vision for church, uh, particularly as we approach the next few years, we pray that uh, your plans for us would be our plans. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, in our society, uh, it's been happening over the past century, really, church has uh, increasingly been kind of shoved to the margins or pushed to the margins. And there's lots of reasons this has happened. Uh, up until the mid-20th century, church attendance, at least in Western countries, uh, places like Australia, was cultural, but it's not really anymore. There's been decreasing trust in and adherence to institutions, just generally across society, and church is seen as an institution, and that's had an impact on church as well. The, the sins of the church have driven many people away, and there's lots for the church to repent of. Uh, there's been a, a culture of individualism, has also had an impact on church, uh, church attendance, uh, people being part of church. According to this narrative, uh, faith is something that I express uh, individually. Uh, church then becomes something that I choose to be part of rather than something that I am part of. And then I will be part of it to the, ex to the extent it kind of fits in with my needs, fulfills my needs and fits in with my kind of self-identity. Now, there's much more that we could say. There's lots of books written on this sort of stuff. Uh, but really, what we need to know is, uh, as we're kind of, we sit in these various cultural currents, it's important that we're not pulled in, in directions that, would, uh, that aren't in line with what God has to say. It's so easy to drift with them. 
And so it's crucial that we drop our anchor in God's word and we are shaped by it. And so really we want to kind of get to the heart of what God says about church. And we're going to do that now by turning to Ephesians 1. And I think as we look at this passage, we see that church uh, in God's plan isn't on the margins. Our church is at the very heart of God's plans and purposes for the universe. Now, Ephesians 1 begins with this joyous burst of praise, this overwhelming praise for all the spiritual blessings that God has lavished on us. Uh, these are blessings we experience personally in our lives, but there's another dimension to them as well. If you look through, you see the pronouns, the, uh, the us's, the you's, the we's, they're not singular, they're plural, they're directed at us as a church. From verse 3, let's have a look. Praise be to the Father, uh, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. These spiritual blessings here are what God has given to us as his people, us as the church. And notice the context of these particular spiritual blessings. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. God was thinking of us before he even started creating. In love, he predestined us to, be, uh, to, to adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ. Before the creation of the world, he, he thought of and he purposed us to be adopted in Christ. These are about God's plans from before creation. And they tell us that even from before the beginning, before anything was made, God's plan was for church. But if we keep reading, we'll notice that church wasn't just a part of his purposes. Church was actually at the heart of his purposes. From verse 9. Uh, he, made to, he made known to us the mystery of his will, his great cosmic plan. That's the mystery that he's talking about here, the Apostle Paul, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. And what's, what's that plan? What's the great mystery of his will revealed? To bring all things in heaven on earth under Christ. If you want to know the meaning of life, the universe and everything... It's to bring all things under the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. And in that kind of big picture of God's plans, church is right there at the centre. The things in, in heaven that are being brought under Christ, that includes all the heavenly powers, the, the angels, the demons, the spiritual powers. And the things on earth, well, that's all the earth, but actually also includes us. Humanity brought into relationship with God through Christ to be under Christ. Humanity brought into church. You see, church isn't like an add-on. It's not like the sunroof and leather seats, or oh, that's pretty standard these days, isn't it? It's not the business class upgrade, the Spotify premium option. Church is at the heart of God's plans now because it has been from eternity, from before creation. 
And at this point, I think it's important for us to stop and reflect. This, this plan didn't come cheap. Remember what it cost God to make this possible. I've heard this quoted already by James. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. The him is Jesus. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Out of his infinite love, God created us to share from before creation in relationship with him. But the truth is we haven't responded to him with that same love that he's shown us. Instead of wanting God to be at the centre of our lives, we want it to be the centre of our own lives. And that's really what sin is. You don't have to just be a liar or a thief or just generally an unpleasant person to be a sinner. It's not first of all about the acts you do, but who you live for. Sin is living with ourselves as king and not God. Left to ourselves, that's what we do. We live our own way, we forge our own paths, we turn our back on God as king and away from Jesus. But the wonderful news is that through Christ, God invites us back into relationship with him. But that invitation doesn't come cheap. It comes at a cost, in fact, it comes at the ultimate cost, the cost of Christ, his blood shed for us. Through his sin-forgiving death, Jesus makes a way back into relationship possible for every person who wants it. All of us, all our friends, all our family. All we need to do is trust in Jesus, our Saviour and Lord. Have you ever loved something so much that you'd do anything to share it? Well, God does. His church. He gave his life to share it with us. Uh, as we read through Ephesians 1, there's another recurring theme. It starts there in verse 6. In love he predestined us to the praise of his glorious grace. And that phrase pops up again in verse 12. For the praise of his glory. And verse 14, to the praise of his glory. Can you see the theme there? It's telling us something about why church is at the centre of God's plans, why it exists. It's not because church exists for itself, right? It's, it doesn't exist for its own reputation, its own honour, its own self-perpetuation. The church exists for God's praise, to bring glory to him. When you see a great portrait, you don't praise the person who sat for it, right? You praise a painter for his or her skill. The thing is, we are God's portrait. The church is God's masterwork. The church ultimately exists for his glory. And we're not kind of for private viewing either. We're not for like a, a small little function. We were made for public exhibition to the praise of his glory. We live to praise and worship God in word and in deed, but more than that, our very existence brings glory to God. The fact that a bunch of people save sinners from every tongue, tribe and nation, every level of society, every ability, every gender come together at church, that's a testimony to God and what he's doing in the world. He's redeeming work. 
his reconciling work and his overwhelming and overflowing grace. You see, before we do anything or say anything here today, the fact that we're just here, that we exist brings glory to God. And so as we pray and as we plan for our future, remember that's who we are, God's masterwork, his showcase, who exists for the praise of his glory. Well, to understand more about the nature of church, I think we actually need to understand a bit more about who God is. Because at the heart, church is nothing less than an extension of God's own inner life. And we see that when we turn, I think, to John 17, and I don't have that in your handout, but I'll have the verses up there that I'm referring to on the screen. Uh, In John 17, that's a prayer that Jesus uh, says to his Father. He prays the night before he goes to the cross, and he prays for all sorts of things. But in this prayer, he gives us a glimpse into something very profound, a glimpse into the very nature of God. This is from verse 5 of chapter 17. And now, Father, he prays, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you that Jesus had with his Father before the world began. Hear what Jesus is saying here. When we think about the beginning of things, right, where do we turn? Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, and we know the rest. Well, here Jesus says there's something, or rather someone, from before the beginning, and that was God. And more than that, he says, before the beginning there was relationship, right? The Father in relationship with Jesus, uh, uh, the Son in whom the Father gloried. This tells us something fundamental about the nature of reality. We glory in many things, sometimes we Glory in football victories, though, if you're like me, an Essendon supporter, you don't really get to do that much. We glory in our careers, in our achievements, in our successes. But I think when it comes down to it, what we glory in most, what we love most, is relationships, because we love people. That's what we glory in, right? Well, God glories in relationships as well. The Father loves and glories in His Son, and the Son loves and glories in His Father, and the same is true of the Spirit, who glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ, brings glory to God. And so deep is this divine relationship of glory and love that Jesus says, the Father and the Son, they're perfectly united in verse 21. You are in me, and I am in you. That's that's pretty united, I don't know if you've uh, thought much about uh, what it means for God to be Trinity, one God, three persons. That's not sort of some cute mathematical trick. It's a diagram. Just kidding. Uh, It's very hard to represent who God is. Um, But this represents something of what's happening uh, in the life of God. God is three persons, Father, Son and Spirit, but their life is in each other, they glory in each other. Their love is so perfect in its selflessness, so deeply unifying that they are one. Now this is, I imagine you think, oh, this is interesting, Alex, but what does this have to do with church, right? 
Well, the answer is, this is church. In the beginning was church. Before the beginning was church. Uh, the underlying word for church just means gathering or assembly. And so here in the beginning was the first church. Father, Son, Holy Spirit gathered in perfect loving relationship together from eternity. Have you loved something so much that you just wanted to share it with others, you know? A lovely piece of music, a great book that you read, a podcast, a funny cat video. They're pretty good, right? When we love something, we want to tell people about it, we want to share it with others. And the amazing thing is that despite the fact that God's church, was, church life was pretty fantastic just as it was, he wanted to share it. That's the nature of love, looking to include other people, to share. And God wanted to share his love, his life. And that's really the climax of Jesus' prayer in verse 26. This is Jesus praying to the Father, I have made you known to them in order that that love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. When Jesus talked about the first church, he talked about his relationship, uh, him being in the Father and the Father being in him. Well, he, he, he prays that they themselves might be in us. In other words, he's praying that we would share in this divine relationship that's existed from before eternity. And that's what this is, our life together, right? This is what church is, God bringing us into the divine relationship, sharing in the church that God has shared in, the relationship God has had from eternity. Just think about that. That's, what, that's who we are in relationship with God. How amazing is that? But God's intention wasn't for like us to have these kind of a series of individual relationships, you know, like we all kind of relate to God separately on our own terms. It's also about God bringing us into relationship with others, us coming to church with God and coming to church with each other. In verse 22, Jesus prays that we may be brought to complete unity. In other words, he's praying for believers, for Christians and their relationships together. And so God never intended church or salvation to be an individual thing or just be an individual thing. We're brought into relationship with God. When that happens, we're brought into relationship with each other. And these kind of bonds, that relational bonds that we share, they're not kind of like voluntary associations. I like you. You like me, let's sit next to each other, have dinner together. Until we don't like each other anymore, then we'll go our separate ways. These bonds that we share together, they're more than friendship. They're family. That's how the Bible speaks about church. We're sons and daughters of God. We're brothers and sisters together. And the thing is, right, you get to choose your friends, don't you? But do you get to choose your family? Nope. You're born into it. Through Christ, we're adopted as children of God. And by the Holy Spirit, we're born again 
into a new family. And so when we become believers, we have a whole bunch of new relationships, brothers and sisters, not because you chose them, but because God chose you. Just like you have biological siblings, not because you chose them, but because your parents chose to have you. Church is relationship, and that relationship is like family. That's how the Bible illustrates our relationships. But these bonds that we have together, they transcend biological ties. We're united together by something deeper and more profound. We're united together by the Holy Spirit. I love my wife Liz very much, and we celebrated 20 years of marriage on Wednesday. We didn't go out, we had takeaway, but it wasn't like Maccas or something was proper, like Thai. (laughs) We'll do something a bit more later on. And we love each other a lot. But deeper than our emotional connection, deeper than our unity in marriage is our unity in Christ. And that's hard to believe, but it's true. In eternity, marriage may cease, but we will always be brother and sister in Christ. And that same bond in the Spirit is what all Christians will share. And it's what we share now. At the heart of God's plan for universe is church, and at the heart of church is relationship. God's triune relationships, our adoption into God's family through Christ, our relationships together in the Holy Spirit. Well, I just want to finish uh, this afternoon by just teasing out a few implications. These are kind of big picture concepts about what church is, and there's lots to say, but I'll just finish with four brief ones. Firstly, church is about relationship. Uh, Church is not primarily an institution, though it has some aspects of that. It's not just a building, even though what we call this the place we we, we meet in a church, we don't, it's not just a building, it's not just a series of ritual activities that we do with each other, it's not primarily a space for private communion with God, although these things happen. It's not just a place for entertainment, although we might have fun when we gather together for church, we might enjoy it, it's, that's allowed. It's not just a service for us to consume, it's not just a place of learning, a school or a university, it's relationship with God and each other and so it's not just what we do on Sundays though though gathering together is a really important expression of our relationship but church isn't just this it's not even that plus our connect groups it's our relationships as we express them inside and outside the formal structures of church Uh, Acts 2 talks about the first gathered church and they uh, met around Christ Uh, to pray, praise, and to hear the Word of God, a bit like we're doing today. Uh, But they also did more. It says they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They shared their lives. I think that's the vision of church that God gives us, not just turning up to a common space once a week. Sometimes church can be talked about as just another community organisation like Rotary or or Scouts or a football club, another voluntary organisation but with a kind of different and slightly weirder focus. But church isn't 
just another voluntary organisation, right? It's not voluntary. Now, let me explain that. You see, church isn't something as a Christian that I choose to be part of. As a Christian, church is something I am part of because I've been saved into God's family. Now, of course, we make choices about which churches we join, when and where we attend. But through Christ, God has brought me into his family, into relationship with him and his other children. And that finds its expression in our local Christian church. And we can choose how we act in our church relationships. We choose how we talk, how we listen, how we care for others, how much we let people into our own lives. We choose how present and involved we are, just like we do with our biological families. And like a biological family, there can be many reasons why our relationship with church, our church family, is complicated. But if I am a child of God, I'm a part of church and I will have to give an account to God for how I express that relationship. How I treat my family. Thirdly, church is about love and service. I think because of the culture that we're immersed in, uh, we're prone to approaching church with a mindset of volunteerism. Like I I kind of choose to participate, I, I back off when it's not suitable or it doesn't fit in. We can approach it with that kind of related mindsets of individualism and consumerism, and that's natural because of the water we're swimming in. But when I come to church like that, I'm really approaching it on my own terms. I participate when and how I want, and I withdraw when and how I want. But that's not how God calls us to approach each other, how to approach church. Uh, Hebrews 10, uh, verses 24 to 25, is often quoted in relation to church, and for good reason, I think, because it expresses our identity together. And the writer says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Church is good for us. It keeps us moving towards the day of Christ's return, faithfully, on track, But notice the focus of these verses, it's not really our welfare. It's not what church does for me, it's actually what I should do for others. Why should I go? To spur others on towards love and good deeds, to encourage others. It's saying you're not so much coming to church in order that you may be served, but to serve. And that reminds us of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember an older Christian sharing with me uh, a prayer she'd been praying every Sunday before church for 40 years. She said, God, show me who to serve today. Give me your eyes to find them, your mind to know what to say and do, and your heart to love them. She prayed that each week for 40 years. That, that, That should be our prayer. And of course, we can pray as well, that we might be loved and ministered to as well. It's not one or the other, it's both. And so as we move forward together, this culture of love and service that expresses who we are, how, how might that affect what we plan, how we plan for the next five years? Final implication. 
Uh, church is not just a means to, to the end. It is the end. Now, let me explain. Um, I've heard church uh, described uh, as an aircraft carrier, right? Church is the aircraft carrier. You're the plane. You come in, fly in, refuel, stock up on your weapons, whatever you're doing, then you fly out to battle each week, right? So church prepares you to face the world. It was probably in a fairly, you know, brutal church that this metaphor was given. Now, you know, there's a bit of truth in that metaphor, right? We come to spur one another on to love and good deeds in the church and for the world. But it's not the whole truth because church isn't just instrumental. It's not just a means to an end, something that you need to achieve a greater end. It is the end. It is the goal. It is what God is doing in the world. Church was in the plan of God before the beginning and it's where he's taking us. And we're not there yet. That's still in the future. And Sarah, there's work for us to do. And so God gives the church work to do. But listen to where God is taking the world. Revelation 21 verse 3. This is... The Apostle John, he's having this heavenly vision and he hears a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. The uh, the heavenly Jerusalem is coming down, the new creation. God is coming down and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. It's a stunning, it's a glorious picture of the future, right? And what is it? It's church. Us with each other, God with us, existing for his glory for eternity. And what we experience today and in other churches all around the world, even though it appears sometimes weak and frail and imperfect, we're heading towards, we're anticipating that glorious future. Are you passionate about church? Well, you should be. Because God is. Our life together is precious. So precious to God that he gave his son to make it happen. And so it's worth investing our time, our treasures, our life into it in all the beautifully diverse ways that God has gifted us to. Let me pray. Loving Father God, we thank you that you included us in your plan from before the creation of the world. We thank you for the love that you share in yourself and that you share with us. Father, may this great vision of church you lay out before us in the scriptures, may that guide us as we move forward together as St. Jude's. Amen.